how should I feel when I hear about the death of Gaddafi? I am not a Libyan. I do not have any friends from Libya. All I know is what I hear in the media. Part of me is happy for Libyans who have been yearning for this moment for so many years. It is not unlike what we went through in Panama after 20 years of military dictatorship. After a brief military intervention on the part of the United States, Manuel Noriega was arrested and taken away. That was reason to celebrate. But Noriega was not killed. Had he been, I don't know if I would have celebrated at all. Yes, a part of me wants to be happy for the change in Libya, but a larger part of me wants to grieve. I want to grieve because a life has been lost. I want to grieve because of all the lives that have been lost. I am sad that this loss of life gives people reason to celebrate. If we're going to call ourselves pro-life, we need to be for life in all aspects of life. We can't only be concerned about abortion, but we also have to be able to speak on behalf of the elderly and the disabled. Are you able to speak against euthanasia and assisted suicide? Are you able to speak against capital punishment? Are you able to explain that loss of life is a terrible thing? It doesn't matter if that life is not legally considered a person with rights or if that life is not considered valuable or whether we think that this person has anything to contribute to society. It doesn't even matter if that person is responsible for horrible crimes against innocent people. It doesn't matter if that person is responsible for crimes against you. So, as we go about our pro-life activities, let's not just think about abortion, euthanasia, or capital punishment. Let's think also about changing the minds of people who believe that under certain circumstances, it is okay to take a life, any life. It may be necessary and justified, but it's never okay, and it's always a reason to grieve. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Sultan Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today we're back with our regular programming with Andrew Santos and our Saint of the Week and Sheridan with our diocesan update. And of course, Chris Dimitrenko with our news updates. Hi, Pedro. Well, a lot of news from the Vatican this week. The Pope actually left the Vatican to go to a small Italian town that uh, many of you are familiar with. And so I'll be telling you about that. And uh, there was a controversial document that was released um, in the Vatican on Monday, and it's got uh, people on the right and the left of the economic spectrum uh, debating its merits. Hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so more details on those stories uh, in a little bit. And also Sister Marie Paul Curley joins us with her DVD picks. She's got two movies that take place in the 50s that she wants to tell us about. And Chris, do you, uh, what do you think about the whole creation-evolution debate? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think that certainly some of the uh, better points of both can be reconciled within the Catholic tradition. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's not something that is, is, is a Catholic I really feel I have to think about Absolutely. Much. And you yeah. know what? That's exactly what Dr. Jerry Verschuren believes. Oh, um, good. He's, well, a, he's a doctor. He's so a doctor. He's a nice geneticist. Up by him. Um, and no, and it's what our faith teaches. Yeah. So he's uh, also an author. He's publishing a new book titled God and Evolution, hmm. Science Meets Faith. And we're going to be speaking with him in our second half hour. And we're also going to be speaking with singer-songwriter Susan Hukong taylor because she has brought back the Catholic Coffee House to Toronto, uh, the beads. So we're going to be speaking with her. And we're going to start with a song from her. Here she is with Ana da Costa and their song, Jesus Lives Forever. Calling all you people of the 
That was Susan Hukong Taylor and Anna DaCosta with Jesus Lives Forever from their album, I Will Praise and Follow You. And we'll be speaking with Susan in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, Sister Marie Paul Curley with her DVD picks for the week. But first, Chris, you're still here with our news. Yes. Uh, well, the Pope made a trip to the Italian countryside uh, this past week. And he went to Assisi. Have you ever been to Assisi? Yes, Pedro? I have, actually. Well, it, it looked beautiful from watching yes, the footage is, of, is, uh... of the trip. And, uh, and it was very historic. It was actually celebrating the 25th anniversary of John Paul II when he went to Assisi mm -hmm. with other leaders of uh, world religions. And uh, so the uh, Pope Benedict went for what's being termed Assisi III. It's the third time that uh, leaders of different religions have, have gone to meet in Assisi. And uh, the event was called a day of reflection, dialogue, and prayer for peace and justice. And there were some neat elements from this visit. For one, as you know, the Pope typically travels by plane. Yeah. But he actually went by train from really? Vatican City. Vatican City has its own train station. So the Pope and all these religious leaders, they all boarded the train and uh, traveled for about an hour and 45 minutes to Assisi. Nice. And a number of different uh, religious leaders spoke. Uh, there was the head of the, the Orthodox churches, the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew I, the head of the Anglican Communion, Archbishop Rowan Williams was there, also Jewish leaders, Hindu, Buddhist, um, Islam, they, they were all represented. And uh, a unique element of the day was that uh, they, they went separately from there um, to privately go to separate rooms for a period of silence, reflection, and personal prayer. So it really was a retreat. And then they reconvened in the Piazza San Francisco uh, to solemnly renew their joint commitment to peace. And then the day-long pilgrimage ended with a visit to the tomb of St. Francis. So very beautiful, uh, symbolic visit. Uh, now that, uh, that went very smoothly, but what didn't go so smoothly this week was the release of a document by the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace. And it was a document on reforming the economy, the full title, toward reforming the international financial and monetary systems in the context of global public authority. So even from the title, you can tell that it's a... Occupy the Vatican. Uh, it, well, it's a pretty, it's a pretty technical document. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and because it was presenting uh, the, the case that there needs to be um, sort of a global authority, a kind of a global watchdog yeah. uh, to be able to ensure that, um, that the way that the economy functions, because, because different global markets are all interrelated, uh, there needs to be a way in which um, countries, say, from uh, developing countries are not being taken advantage of by more developed countries. And, uh, and some people who um, are speaking, I guess you could say, more from the right in terms of from economic terms, they were stressing that, that, you know, this is just a note from what they call a rather small office in the Roman Curia. Uh, George Weigel, um, uh, the well-known Catholic commentator, mm -hmm. says that, you know, this doesn't necessarily represent the Pope. Um, or the Holy See, and, uh, and he pointed out that even Cardinal Turkson, uh, who was the head of this pontifical council and, and one of the writers, uh, had, had said, you know, well, the church can't really offer technical solutions to economic problems. That's not really within the competence of the church, but rather um, wants to locate public policy within a moral framework and sort of moral guidelines. Um, and yet some of the suggestions were, were quite specific. Now, people on the other side um, are saying, you know, well, wait a minute. Uh, this is the Vatican who is speaking. This is the, 
This is the office of the Vatican that deals with these issues, the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace. And, uh, and so Father James Martin, another well-known Catholic commentator, a Jesuit, says, you know, don't let anyone tell you to ignore it. It's Catholic morality. And this he said on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Cardinal Peter Turkson, um, in an interview with Catholic News Service, he made an interesting comparison with the Occupy movement, you know, the protests that yep. are going on in, uh, in New York, and we have our own in, in Toronto. And he said that the basic sentiment behind the protests is in line with Catholic social teaching and is in line with this new document that came out in the Vatican. And uh, he said that Wall Street is considered to be a big engine house, a big financial structure whose power extends all over the world. And uh, uh, people who, who suffer from the way financial markets currently operate have a right to say, you know, do business differently. Um, this isn't helping us. This isn't helping the common good. And he was saying, he was making the case that if people can hold their governments to account, why can't we hold other institutions in society to account uh, if they're not helping the common good? And uh, he stressed that the Vatican isn't behind any of these movements. So the Vatican isn't endorsing the Occupy movement, but maybe some of the basic inspirations can be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. I was mm-hmm. wondering when the church was going to say something or uh, about the Occupy uh, Wall Street movement. Anyway, very good. Thank you. Chris Matrenko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And if you want to see what we look like, check us out at saltandlighttv.org. And if you want to find out who our Saint of the Week is, stay right where you are. Here's Andrew Santos. All right, Pedro. Uh, this week we're going to talk about a fantastic saint, in my opinion. They're all fantastic, but this one stands out amongst the others. Okay. Saint Charles of Borromeo. Oh. I'm sure a lot of people don't know much about him. Well, yeah, probably not. So, St. Charles of Borromeo, or Carlo Borromeo, Mm -hmm. was born on the 2nd of October in the year 1538 at the castle of Arona on the shores of Lago Maggiore in northern Italy. So, when Borromeo was 12 years old, his uncle, who is Giulio Cesare Borromeo, gave him a very prominent position. Uh, Borromeo, when he got this job at 12, he gave most of the money he earned from this position to the poor. So, being as smart as he went on to be, uh, he went to study civil and canon law. But in the year 1554, his father died, and at the request of his family, he was asked to, you know, take on the management of the affairs of the family. So, um, that's what he did. Okay, he wasn't still 12 years old, was he? No, he wasn't still 12 years old. Oh, okay. So... But um, after, after, that, after that time of, you know, dealing with the family after the death of his father and dealing with the affairs, he went back to resume his studies. And in 1559, that's when he went to get his doctoral degree. So fast forward, literally a year later, his uncle, um, who, believe it or not, was Cardinal Angelo de Medici, mm-hmm. was made mm-hmm. Pope Pius IV. Mm-hmm. So... Charles Borromeo, um, having been ordained, was then made the Cardinal Archbishop for the Archdiocese of Milan from 1564 all the way up until the year 1584. 
So, and, you know, based on the desire of his uncle, who was the Pope, um, Borromeo, St. Charles Borromeo, lived in splendor, lived a whole lavish lifestyle okay. to represent the glory of the church. So in his time, um, you know, he went to establish an academy of uh, learned persons and, you know, the Academy of the Vatican Knights. Um, he went on to become a leading figure, as we will learn as we talk about it, during the Counter-Reformation. And St. Charles Borromeo was responsible for um, a lot of the significant reforms in the Catholic Church. Um, he was uh, especially responsible for the founding of seminaries for the education of priests. How important is that? Mm -hmm. So Pope Pius IV, again his uncle, named Charles Borromeo as Secretary of State. So giving him the authority um, with both the public and the privy seal of the state. Right. So um, he even went on to name Charles Borromeo to the post of Cardinal of Romana and the March of Ancona. And uh, he went to become the supervisor of the Franciscans, hmm. the Carmelites, and the Knights of Malta. Yeah, interesting. So... On the death of his elder brother, Federigo, um, his family actually turned to him and asked him to quit the church, to marry and have children, so that the family name would not become extinct. But um, fast forward a few more years to the year 1576. Um, we all know that during that time, the city of Milan was hit with the plague, mm -hmm. with the bubonic plague. Um, Charles Borromeo led efforts to, you know, help the sick, to accommodate them, and to bury the dead. Um, and really, he avoided no danger and he spared no expense. So, you know, he visited all the parishes, he provided for the sick, um, he punished those, especially the clergy, who were remiss in discharging their duties. So, you know, it's, it's sort of sad because I think it was because of all that work that he did for the poor, for others that, you know, he lived such a short life. Hmm. So um, he came down with a fever and he died in Milan on the 3rd of November, 1584. Hmm. So he was canonized in the year 1610 and is now honored as a saint throughout the universal church. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. And his feast day, most importantly, is celebrated on November the 4th. Thank you. Pray it's not for uncommon for, for people who were work with the sick, saints who work with the sick to actually have gotten sick themselves. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't know that about him. Thank you very much. St. Charles Borromeo, feast day, November 4th. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. And in about five minutes, what's happening across our country, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Dave Wong from Critical Mass, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter. And you can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for... DVD Picks with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's great to be here. Yes. So you have two films for us today. I do. And um, I found something surprising about them after I had picked them out. So... I have a question for you, Pedro. What's your favorite decade? Oh, uh, that I was alive in? <laughs> <laughs> Either. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's hard. See, if I say 80s, I'm dating myself. If I say 60s, I wasn't really alive for much of the 60s. I don't know. What's your favorite? I, you know what? I don't have a favorite decade at this point. 
Um, but I hear a lot of people talking with great nostalgia about the 1950s. And mm. I, the two movies I picked both took, take place primarily in the 1950s. Okay. And while it's not my favorite decade, I would say that the fact that faith is accepted a bit more um, in society at that time is reflected in the films I chose. Okay, good. So, good. So, tell us. The first film is Terrence Malick's brilliant Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really more of an experience than a film, and it's, it's very hard to capture in one sentence, but I'm going to try. It, the Tree of Life explores the scope of the human experience by dramatically contrasting this a very, very close-up look at, at the life of one family living in Texas in the 1950s with the creation and development of life on Earth. Hmm. So what I've found from people who watch it is they either love it or hate it, um, and I loved it. So that's what I, I and, and I don't know how many people are seeing it um, on DVD. Artistically, it's a huge delight. It's just amazing. The cinematography takes you in really close, and then you've got these amazing um, scenes of the creation of the earth. And it, it's a movie also that it's, you've got to engage with it. Um, nothing's given away. You have to, like, work right. to figure out what the story is. Right. And that makes it uh, very satisfying to watch if you do that engaging. Well, how does what does the faith work into it? It's it's really about um, really accepting like what happens in life and choosing what to do with life with, with mm. what life gives you. Okay. Um, it actually the whole setup of the film starts with a quote from Job, and uh, and talks about nature and grace. And in a way, okay. the father, who's played by Brad Pitt, represents nature. And the mother, brilliantly played by Jessica Chastain, it represents Grace. Oh, so there's good. this interplay back and forth between the two that's just amazing. Oh, neat. Uh, you've, you've piqued my interest. <laughs> I have to say, Pedro, I, I haven't described the movie well, but it really is an experience you have to, like, go to. And I would recommend it for adults who are attentive. Okay. Um, because it is more meditative and impressionistic in style, especially in terms of the story. I mean, the characters are brilliantly done, mm-hmm. brilliantly acted, but the story, you have to figure it out. So you have to pay attention. And that's what makes the film so rewarding and I think so engaging okay. um, for us as audiences. Okay, good. And the second film? Well, the second film is a family film that I haven't found much publicity on. So I wanted to highlight it. Uh, it's called The Perfect Game, uh-huh. and it's the true story of a group of boys from Monterey, Mexico, who overcome tremendous obstacles to become the first non-U.S. team to win the Little League World Series in 1957. Really? <laughs> so it's, do you like sports movies, Pedro? Um, sometimes, if, yeah. if it's a good story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, this is definitely one of those um, films where you're really rooting for the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a bunch of kids. I mean, they're really, they're, and they're great actors. And so it's a sports genre um, for kids and very fun, very engaging. I found myself rooting for the kids all along. I would say for the adult um, viewers, it's a little sentimental in places, mm-hmm. and as Catholics, we might recognize that they didn't always research the church scenes real well. Right. Um, but what I love about the film is that the kids are devout Catholics. The movie doesn't shy away from that, and their champion is the village priest. Oh, so nice. <laughs> the kids' faith really moves mountains in the movie, and that's something that the adults can appreciate even more than the kids who watch it. Oh, wow. You've piqued my interest again. So that's, that's great. So two good films. One, Tree of Life, you would not recommend for, 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 uh, for young people or children to watch. I would say for the thoughtful teenager. Um, okay. But, it's, yeah, it's definitely some, a more mature viewer. But the perfect game is for the whole family. Yes. 
Okay, well, there you go. Two great uh, suggestions for something to do. When, I guess people are not renting DVDs anymore, but however you're getting your movies, Tree of Life and Perfect Game. Thank you very much, Sister Marie Paul. Okay, thank you, Pedro, and God bless you. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, or you can also get the show off iTunes. It's a free download, and here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, a warm hello to everyone in Montreal. The Montreal Lieutenancy of the Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem mm-hmm. is hosting the visit of His Excellency, Bishop William Shomali from yes, Jerusalem. Yes, And a, tr- a relic of the True Cross is also coming to... Okay, wait for it. I'm going to say this in French. L'Oratoire Saint-Joseph. Very good. Oh, that's, good, that's good. St. Joseph Oratory <laughs> in Montreal. <laughs> I'm practicing my French. And a high mass will be celebrated next Sunday. So that's 3 p.m. November the 6th. Mm-hmm. And this event will be held in the Basilica. A choir from the Melkite Church will perform. Nice. And clergy from the Maronite, Melkite, and Orthodox churches will be there. And, of course, everyone is welcome. And to attend, just email Amal at Shomali, S-H-O-M-A-L-I-I-N-C at belnet.ca. And all donations go to support the schools in the Holy Land. Okay, good. So just a note, Bishop Shomali is the Latin bishop for Jerusalem. So he's the, the, uh, I guess he's the patriarch Mm -hmm. for the church, the Roman Catholic Church, which is known as the Latin Church in Jerusalem. I had the chance to meet him a year ago when I was in in Jerusalem. And how was that? We spent about an hour with him. I have a picture with him and we got to ask him lots of of questions. So it's a great uh, opportunity to learn, I think, about the church. The Christian church, the Catholic mm-hmm. church in Jerusalem, but all the Christian churches, the Malkite, the Maronite, because mm-hmm. uh, they all do a lot of, uh, I mean, they really Good know work. how to do a Christian uh, unity work in, 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 uh, in the Holy Land, certainly. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And the relic of the cross, that's kind of That's very special. Yeah. In Vancouver, Canadian Youth Workers Convention will hold their annual gathering, and that's about two weeks from now, November the 10th through to the 13th, at mm-hmm. the Hyatt Regency Hotel. Consider attending for great training from some of Canada's prominent youth ministry speakers. And you can visit cywc.com to find out who's speaking, to see their schedules, and see what's up. Yeah, again, that's a, a truly ecumenical event. It's, uh, it's not a Catholic event. It's for all Christian youth ministers. Uh, so it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good, lots of good resources there. The Catholic Christian Outreach Rise Up uh, Conference is being held. It's, a, it's about five days long, December the 28th through January the 1st mm-hmm. at the Hyde Regency Hotel as well in Vancouver. Rise Up is CCO's national annual conference. It gathers about 600 university students from across Canada every year. So CCO is the Canadian kind of campus ministry team, Catholic Christian Outreach, similar to Focus in the States. Um, and they do their, their annual... Uh, I guess, gathering at, at over New Year's. And yeah. It's up. And it's ccocanada.ca. Great. And, and we're telling you this now because you should register soon, even yeah. though the event is in December. Yes, absolutely. In Toronto, John Michael Talbot is set to appear mm. at the 22nd International Film, uh, sorry, International Festival of Religious Song in Mississauga, Ontario. So that's just west of Toronto. Yes. The event is being held at the JP2, John Paul II Cultural Centre 
And if you haven't already heard all about him, he's a very popular Catholic recording artist and contemporary Christian musician. And Salt and Light radio guest. Yes. <laughs> and he will be the featured guest for this event. Now, the event runs Friday through Sunday, so that's November the 18th through to the 20th, and features three, uh, three evenings of music and song and celebration. Uh, but John Michael Talbot will be uh, featured on the Sunday, mm-hmm. November the 20th at 6 p.m. This event is part of John Michael Talbot's Worship and Bow Down Tour mm-hmm. and will feature music from his latest CD and also selections from his uh, most popular songs. Yeah, that's great. And uh, just as a lead up to that event, we are actually going to have John Michael on this show. So uh, just stay tuned and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, he's and great. To, and to find out more about that festival and just more about his um, performance, it's festivalofsong.ca. Great. Thank you very much. So that's lots going on, as always. Thank you, Sheridan. Um, coming you, up, in, Coming up in our second half hour, um, are creation and evolution compatible? And also a featured chat with singer-songwriter Susan Hukong-Taylor. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. There is the idea out there that either you believe in the Genesis creation story or you believe in evolution. And if you believe in evolution, you can't possibly believe in God. This is not what the Catholic Church teaches. We believe that faith can never contradict reason. And that is the topic of a new book titled God and Evolution, Science Meets Faith. I spoke to author Dr. Gerald Verschuren earlier this week. Dr. Jerry, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Most welcome. Now, um, this book that, you're, uh, that you've been working on, uh, God and Evolution, Science Meets Faith, why did you feel it was necessary to write the book? I, I, I learned during my experience in, in the Roman Catholic Church that so many people feel very confused by what's going on in our culture. On, on the one side, they, they feel attacked by, uh, by atheists, who uh-huh. are very often scientists, and they, uh, they produce very popular books that put religion down and say if there is evolution, there cannot be any religion. Right. And on the other side, they, they feel attacked by, by people who, let's say, they come from, uh, you know, the more Protestant versions of uh, Christianity, like evangelicals and uh, Pentecostals, and, and they say you have to take uh, creation as the final answer to everything, which is true, mm-hmm. but they take the conclusion that there is no evolution. So right. they attack evolution. Okay. And Catholics feel right in the middle, which is unfortunately not in line with the tradition of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. From, uh, from um, Pope Leo Thirteenth on, in the two centuries ago almost, uh, the Church has always said we, uh, we go for faith and reason, science and, and religion. religion. Yeah. I want to I ask you about evolution and creation in a second, but first, can you then maybe explain a little bit more what is the relationship then between, as a Catholic, the relationship between science and religion? Um, the Catholic Church has, has always talked in, in, in like the images of the Book of Nature and the Book of Scripture, mm-hmm. which, which dates back to yeah. St. Augustine. Yeah. 
And, and they say what, what you read in the book of Scripture is revealed by God, our Creator. But there is also a book of nature. Mm-hmm. It follows the laws that God has instilled in this world. So those two cannot be in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. They, uh, our Holy Father, the current Pope Benedict XVI, said, uh, if, if people tell you that if there is evolution, there is no creation, mm. or if there is creation, there is no evolution, that's an absurdity. That is literally what he said. Right. Because it, it goes against the tradition of the Roman Catholic Church, faith and reason. Evolution may be the way we, 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 we came here, but creation is the way everything came along. And we came from God. Maybe we came here through evolution, but we definitely ultimately came from God. Came from God. So one one is not exclusive from the other. Would you say then that uh, as Catholics we believe that faith cannot contradict reason? Correct. That's what the Catholic faith says. So uh, faith can never be in contradiction with uh, what what science tells us. And science, if it's properly done, cannot be in conflict with what we learn from uh, our faith, what we believe in. There, there is no contradiction between creation and evolution. No. Okay, so, the, sorry, so then what do you tell those people who say, what do you mean, of course, did, did, either we were created in seven days or six days, or we were created over a period of, you know, 10,000 million years? I would say 10,000 millions of years. And, and if they say, yeah, but the, the book of Scripture tells us that it was done in seven days, then I always tend to ask them, um, do you realize that there are two creation stories? Genesis 1 talks about seven days of creation, but Genesis 2, the Adam and Eve account, doesn't talk about seven days. So why do you choose the first version and not the second version? Right. And and so somehow we, we cannot read... Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 as a scientific account. It's not the book of uh, nature, it's the book of Scripture. And uh, all that Scripture is interested in is in our salvation. It doesn't care about the science behind it. Right, right. Now, you're you're a human geneticist, correct? Yes, I am. Um, So you're a scientist, and and of course you're a Catholic. You've been a practicing Catholic all your life, I presume. So what are you first? Are you uh, a, a man of faith first, or are you a man of science first? I am, I'm definitely a man of faith first. Yeah. But I, I must say, during my studies in human genetics, uh, you know, I was indoctrinated by a lot of professors who have the idea that there is only science, and science has the whole story. And so I, I had to fight very hard to keep my faith going. That's why I'm so so involved with this process of creation and evolution. I, I, right. I know how hard it is for people when they hear about science and when they get indoctrinated by science, mm-hmm. they think there is no space for faith anymore. But, but faith is what we live from. I, I, I always say if um, I, I came here from God mm. and, and how, how I got here, that's a different story. Right. Um, did you ever go through periods when you were uh, studying, I guess, or, or you were younger, where you, that, that what you were learning in science really challenged your faith to the point that you thought, you know, not that, not that it challenged you that you thought maybe there was no God, but that it, that it got you to the, I guess, what was the one thing that got you to the point where you are now to understand that, that they're not contradictory? Um, I think when I, 
when I graduated and wrote my thesis in, in, in human genetics, I, uh, I finally began to, began to wonder, uh, is this the whole story? And I, 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 during my time at studying for human genetics, I, I must say I became very positivistic. That means the, the science is all there is, mm-hmm. and, and, and I forgot about my faith. Okay. But when I had time to reflect more on it, and unfortunately, time in the lab doesn't allow you that too often, no. but when you get home, you say, isn't there much more going on? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to wonder about things and, and say, why, uh, if, if evolution were really the full answer, then, you know, there is only one, one end for us, and that end is the end of the story. Right. But now, if there is creation, then eternal life is the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I came to realize while I was there. I, I put question marks behind science. I say, what, where are the limitations of science? And that opens my view again for God and creation. Did studying, did studying human genetics, though, not uh, uh, make you wonder more about how complex the human... I guess the human body is, the human system is, that made you seek more outside of science? Did you have that experience? Not during my studies. No. Because, you know, scientists always try to reduce complex things to very simple things. That's the only way they can tackle their problems in science. Right. So, so you, you, you keep thinking, hey, it, it, it's really simple, but it isn't. Mm. It isn't simple. But th- that takes quite a while. You have to pull away from that academia, where everything seems so simple and everything can be solved by science. I know better now. Science is not a cure-all or a know-all. Right. Um, people like uh, Richard Dawkins, I, I hate to mention his name, but mm-hmm. he is the famous atheist who, who keeps saying, oh, science has all the answers. Yes. And, and I, I am, I'm very weary of that kind of slogans. It, it's a new religion. Right. Now, I, I, I hear that what you're saying is that people definitely need religion, so would you say that people also need science? Oh, yes. We, we definitely do need science. If, if we didn't have science, we, we, we would still be struggling with a lot of kind of diseases that we can cure now. Cancer could, could not be cured if we didn't know a lot about molecular biology, about genetics. Mm-hmm. So, so we need science. Each time you, uh, you pick up that phone, thanks to science. Yes. But, yes. but I also realize that there is much more to life. I, I always say not everything that counts can be counted. Science is good in counting, in measuring, in calculating. Yeah. But there is so much in life that cannot be counted and calculated and measured. Right. Now, the, the book, just go back to the book again, uh, who is this book for? Uh, this book is for, um, uh, for, for a very general audience of Roman Catholics. Catholics who, who just struggle with that fight, or presumably a fight, between science and religion. Mm-hmm. They, they have children at home, they come from college, they come from high school, they talk about evolution, and they have been indoctrinated with all there is is evolution. How, how do parents answer those questions? Mm-hmm. How do they answer the questions inside of themselves? Right. When they go to church on Sundays and on Monday they work in a lab or they work in a technical environment, how, how can we handle all of that? Right, so it's a book to give people tools to be able to have that conversation. Correct. 
and, and I want them to be strengthened in their faith. And, and I want them to know that uh, what the book tells them is solid Catholicism. Uh, I, I use a lot of quotes from uh, popes, from uh, famous theologians, from church fathers, doctors yeah. of the church, to just bring very much across that we are safe in our faith and that we have a long, very healthy tradition in the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Sounds like a, like a fascinating read. The only bad thing is that it's not going to be available until next year, but I su- suspect that most people can get... Uh, at least start reading up on it on your website, wheredowecomefrom.com, and I'll put that link on our site as well so it's easy for people to find it. Oh, that would be great. For they will find a lot of information there. Yes, so Dr. I, Jerry, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. It was great. It was my pleasure, and, and thank you so much. You have a good day. You too. That was Dr. Jerry Verschuren, author of God and Evolution, Science Meets Faith, The book is published by Pauline Books and Media and will be available next year. In the meantime, you can learn more at wheredowecomefrom.com. That's where-do-we-come-from.com. I'm going to put that link on our website to make it easy for you to find it. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Susan Hukong-Taylor with Come Rain Over My Heart. Jesus, my Lord. You are light for my days Song above songs Ever worthy of praise Jesus my love Ever gentle your ways Come live in me Come reign over my heart Jesus my
Jesus, my Jesus, you are Lord of all. Jesus, my love, you love each of us best. For you choose our hearts as the place you would rest. So open my arms and welcome my. That was Susan Hukong Taylor with Come Rain Over My Heart from her album, I Will Praise and Follow You. Now, there are several successful Catholic coffee houses around the world, the most popular one probably being the Catholic Underground in New York City. In Toronto, we had a Catholic coffee house called Hungry for the Spirit and with varied success. And there was another one called The Beads, which was also very, very popular. And the person behind The Beads is Susan Hukong Taylor. And The Beads is back to Toronto at a new venue, the Treehouse Cafe. And to tell us all about it, here now is Susan Hukong Taylor. Susan, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much, Pedro. So Thank did, you very much. Did I get that right? So it's The Beads, it's sort of like the event, but you now have a new venue. Yeah, we're The Beads at the Family Treehouse Cafe. And uh, out in Scarborough, it's a beautiful beautiful marriage (laughs) we're very happy (laughs) right so uh, why this is kind of more the the existential question why 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 a coffee house why catholic coffee house well the the whole idea i guess behind any any uh, catholic coffee house is i think to bring life or a culture of life out into the marketplace i think that that's that's generally the idea uh-huh. Um, to to put forward maybe a, another world view in in terms of art and media uh, out into the world, you know, not necessarily in the church basement, to have it something that's a little bit more available and inter- integrated with other things that we do. The other the beautiful thing about coming to the coffee house is you can listen to music, you can have something to eat, you can you can chat with people. Um, and and uh, you can you know have a, a community. You can have a, a sense of community. You can have fellowship. You can and have I guess an alternative too in terms of maybe what you would be hearing normally on the radio, mm-hmm. or what maybe you would be normally hearing or seeing, reading, 
what it, whatever it may be. So I, I think that that's the that's the idea of it. So, uh, I mean, it it makes sense to me the the idea of 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 taking that culture of life into the marketplace. That makes perfect sense. But do you find that what happens is that you have an event once a month, let's say, and so all the people that go are all the Catholic people that want to support the event, and so then you're not actually in the marketplace because for that night this secular venue becomes a Catholic venue. Does that is that a challenge? That certainly that is a challenge, and and I guess then what happens is that the onus is put on us to invite people in to you know to say bring a friend and maybe someone who wouldn't normally see something like that and that has happened quite a bit mm -hmm. over you know over the course of this um this venture we've seen you know we've seen a lot of people come through and say wow this is something i never would have known had existed mm -hmm. and uh, this is really beautiful and something like, that i'd like to do more of and not necessarily catholic people not even necessarily christian people so right. uh so there there is that but sure i mean the, the the main body of people that you're getting are those people who are um, faithful supporters of what you do, but the idea is that you know go out and tell somebody and bring somebody along with you, and then you know you can share this and you can share what you were experiencing and what you were enjoying there with someone else. Is there any other types of uh, interactions that take place? I remember when we were uh, at, with Hungry for the Spirit, w sometimes their regular patrons would show up. You know, some guy who was having one too many <laughs> beverages. But the music we're doing is this sort of, and then next thing you know, you had an opportunity to speak to him, and so there was a little bit of evangelizing happening. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there, there is that. Now, the, the interesting thing with respect to the Family Treehouse Cafe um, is that it's, it's, I mean, it is um, a place that is um, completely devoted to supporting the culture of life. So, right, I mean, yeah, I, I guess in a way, you might say that that might... Um, kind of cut us off that much more but it, but at the same time they are they are a business they are open to the public they have regular they have customers their regular that, customers exactly. yeah they have the yeah. regular customers coming through uh during the day and so we have this event so they're you know they are promoting that um to those people as well right. but the, the beautiful thing about this for me was you know that in fact that maybe that little bit of rub or problem that would happen when you went into a regular venue mm -hmm. um, it isn't there because because we're all on the same page in terms of what we're doing. Right. And so it's it's a really, really nice it's a really nice experience. It's been a beautiful thing for me. Okay, so um, let's let's talk some specifics then. The, the, it, uh, you're hoping to do it once a month or so or once every other month? Or well, whenever. we're doing it once every other month. Um, I, yeah, I, I hope I didn't say once a month. No, it, no, 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 no. I think once, I said once, once a month. Once every other month. Um, so we, so the we next did one, is one. Yeah, we're in November 26th is our next one. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll be featuring John Dawson, guitarist John Dawson and composer. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, then we'll be in January and so forth. Okay, so... Yeah. Um, so and 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 the, basically, you have one artist that you feature, or does that depend on sort of what opportunities yeah, you might have are, that month? We're uh, we're that's that's our plan is that we would be featuring a different artist. I'm hosting, and then we would be featuring a different artist every time. Okay, and is it only music, or is there, you know, would you have a speaker or anything like that at any time, or is it mostly it's music? At this time, it's music. I mean, we would, you know, we're hoping to open out and have have different things go on. I mean, I mean, in the beads in the past, we did have 
um, different things going on, and, and we would like to we'd like to get there as well. You know, we had Michael O'Brien in, and that was be- that was yes. beautiful. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that that kind of thing would be would be perfect for this as well. Yeah. Okay. So then, November twenty sixth at eight p.m., featuring John Dawson at yes. the Beads at the Family Treehouse Cafe. Um, yes. That's good. And if people want to find out more, they can go to your website, deepwatersound.ca. Yes, Correct. yes, That's absolutely. Cool. And I guess absolutely. they can, you know, if you are in the area and you want to, you could look up f- the Family Treehouse Cafe. Yes, you can. Uh, and they have a site find. as well. Yes, and they do. Yeah, familytreehousecafe.com. Excellent. Now, I, I don't want to let you go, Susan, before I ask you how you are. What's new with you? <laughs> I, I'm doing well. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm doing well. I'm teaching I am writing. I'm singing. I'm doing all kinds of things. It's been it's been a, a quite a ride. Very busy, but any, I'm feeling good. Any new music coming down the pipes for you? For me, um, I'm I'm sort of uh, something's cooking up for sure. I, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> and I you know I have a lot of things that I'm kind of at this point I'm discerning which uh, what to um, kind of concentrate on next. You know what kind of a project to concentrate on next? We just finished it. Just finished with Anna DaCosta's album. Right. Yes. And Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. You know, Wonderful. And that's that's going really well. That was a great uh, album. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so now, you know, we're going to, you know, ride that wave and then look to the next thing. Look right. to the next thing. We've been talking about uh, an Advent project for a while, oh, so nice. that might be a, a direction that we go. Oh, that's good because everybody focuses on Christmas, and there's yeah. usually <laughs> nothing know, for Advent. It's hard. It's hard to. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to to race to the finish line on that one, you know. But it's but it's 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 really important to be in that uh, place of waiting. So, um, and it's fun to write for that too. It's really it's yeah, really beautiful. Yeah, it is. There's lots of neat themes. Um, well, don't don't forget us if you have any new recordings or any new projects coming up. Let us know because we'd love to have you back on the show, and certainly we'd love to play your music. Oh, thank you, Pedro. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so when, one last time, Family Treehouse Cafe, the next beads is November 26th. If you're in the Toronto area at 8 p.m., look them up at deepwatersound.ca. I was just speaking with Susan Kong taylor singer-songwriter, Supreme, and now we're going to play a song from her album, I Will Praise and Follow You. The song is titled, Don't Let My Heart Forget.
Listening to Susan Hukong Taylor with Don't Let My Heart Forget. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all we do at saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closely, go to Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for your generosity and for your prayers. We cannot do this work without your support. So thank you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Joy!